I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Welcome to Mari and I Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service broadcast. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor of the church. Today we continue our sermon series, I Like Giving, with Dr. Mark Donaldson bringing today's message. Enjoy the message, and may God bless you. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Lord, we are so grateful for your presence here in our lives. And as we continue in this word, God, would you speak to us? Would you bring it to life for us, that it might find its life inside of us and that we might know it and experience it? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray that with me. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week marked the beginning of our annual stewardship season, three weeks that we focus on giving, and the theme for this year's campaign is I Like Giving. It's inspired by a book of the same title by Brad Forsma. And it culminates next week, which is Commitment Sunday, and you should already have received your pledge cards in the mail along with the pastor's letter. And I want to say two things. First, your pledge, your estimate of giving serves very practical purpose. It helps us to plan the budget for next year, 2023. And yes, historical data is probably the best predictor, but it is helpful when we know what God's people say they are going to do. Number one, it gives us a glimpse into the spiritual health of this congregation. And number two, practically speaking, helps us build the budget for 2023. Secondly, I'm not asking you to do anything that Leanne and I don't do. We practice the tithe and we will submit our estimate of giving, our pledge card next Sunday. We tithe our income, we give above and beyond to missions, to eternal flame, to the third floor children's renovation project. We give to other missionaries we know personally love and support. And so let me say thank you in advance for doing the same. Thank you for everything you do to make this church who? and how we are. Last week our emphasis was on generosity. And down the hall we said that gratitude is the wellspring of generosity. And if we don't know what or how much or why to give, we can at least be thankful for everything God has blessed us with. He's been so good to us. But the goal of generosity is to reflect God and his goodness, and more than receive God's generosity, he invites us to participate in it. That's good news. That is the rest of the gospel story, participating with God in generosity. This morning, our focus is on trustworthiness. Our giving 
increases trustworthiness. And I wanna modify that thought just a little bit because what I mean to say is our stewardship increases trustworthiness. To be clear, God is the major player working behind the scenes in the scripture that we just read, Luke 16, 10 through 13. He is the one who entrusts us with wealth of every kind, not just finances, every kind of wealth. And our trustworthiness with that wealth directly affects God entrusting us with more. The issue really is one of trust. Can we be trusted? And that word trust or variations of it is used five times in verses 10 through 13. And if we looked a little deeper, we'd see the idea behind that word trust is faithfulness, reliability, something to which we will be accountable for, stewardship. In Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12, Jesus made three parallel statements that stack on top of one another and they underscore faithfulness. First in verse 10, whoever can be trusted with much, with very little, can also be trusted with much. Second, verse 11, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Third in verse 12, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And the gist of it all is that our faithfulness in trivial and insignificant things is the premise of our participation in eternal things. How well we do with the small stuff correlates to, is a precursor to, how well we'll do with the big stuff. I mean capital B, eternal. And that truth is sandwiched between two parables that Jesus told in Luke 16. And the first is the parable of the shrewd manager. It begins in verse one. In that story, there is a rich man who'd been entrusted, who had entrusted his stuff to a subordinate manager. And ultimately, that manager is held accountable for his stewardship, which was at times questionable. But in the end, the rich man commended that manager's shrewdness, his good judgment. And the main point of that parable is that our money our possessions, all of our stuff, it's not ours, it's God's. And we are to use our worldly wealth, all of it, for eternal gain. We are the shrewd manager in this parable, using our present and earthly opportunities to provide an eternal future. The way that we live, move, and have our being here in this world positions us, it positions other people for the next. To be clear, God is the rich man in this parable. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All that we have, all that we are comes from him. And I know that you understand all. All means all. And all of it comes from God. We are stewards over his stuff from our finances to our children, from our character to our health. And the way we steward over all things is a reflection on how we steward over the gospel, which is not all about us. It doesn't terminate on us. 
We are blessed with talents, abilities, provisions for the good of others, to the glory of God. So Lord, help us be faithful. Help us to steward well. As we see in the second parable, starting in verse 19, there was a rich man who noticed not the beggar that was in his life. And as this rich man turned left out of his neighborhood and drove down Broadway to work every day into and out of downtown, that rich man passed right by the beggar on the side of the street. That rich man would come and go and pay no attention to the beggar named Lazarus. He even has a name, and the rich man knew it not. In the end, both of these men died, and Lazarus wound up in eternity while that rich man did not. And from his place of torment, this rich man wanted to go and warn his family that the things we do while living in this earthly realm, they really do matter. The things we do right here in this earth really do matter. But that rich man was unable to cross over that great chasm. His family was on their own. And the main point of this parable, we are to make the most of today while it's still today. And we've been given everything we need to warn and woo others. The revelation of God, the witness of the church, our own experience of the gospel, the circumstances of our lives, stewardship happens on this side of eternity, from our finances to our children, from our health to our character, and how we steward over all things is a reflection of how we steward over the gospel, which is the greatest thing we've been entrusted with. So let's jump back into the text that we read and the three passages that are stacked on top of each other. Verse 10, we who are faithful in trivial and insignificant things will be faithful with a great many, much, great things of eternal value. And the idea behind that word, much, is contained within the ocean. How much water is there in the sea? How many single droplets of water are in the oceans of this world? There is so much, so many. There is a great amount of water, droplets of water in the ocean. Variations of this word, much, many, great, they're used elsewhere in the Gospels, in particularly in the sense that Christ died for all. You understand all? Christ died for the greatness of the people on this earth, all of them. And ours is the honor and privilege, the call and responsibility to steward over the gospel, not to sit here and wait for them to come to us, but to go to them as participants in God's story of rescue. If we are faithful in a few trivial Meaningful things, meaningless things, we can also be trusted with a great many things to be used for the good of others, to God's glory. And all of the things are God's. The next statement, verse 11, is a look up in the text at the parable of the shrewd manager. If we are trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, 
literally mammon, literally that which one puts their trust in, what is it you put your trust in? If we are faithful and trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, the only usage of this word in the New Testament, mammon or wealth, is straight from the lips of Jesus. If we are trustworthy in handling wealth, we will be trusted with true, period. Now we can imply from the text true wealth, but it doesn't say that. More, maybe more theologically correct to say truth. If we steward well over our wealth and our possessions, the stuff in our lives, we are demonstrating the ability to steward over truth. And the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory, the one who entrusts all things will entrust us with more, even and especially the gospel. That's right. The third statement is a look ahead at the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Our ultimate responsibility is not stuff. It's not even us. Our ultimate responsibility is the sacred other. And we are not called to steward over the possessions of another, not their belongings, but their belief. And as we steward over all things, even and especially the gospel, there are lasting and eternal implications for both the sacred other and the self. And we're talking about faithfulness and stewarding over the gospel. We're talking about stewarding over trivial and insignificant things, giving way to eternal things. Talk about participating with God in his story of rescue, salvation history that is being written as we live today. So what does it look like? Several years ago, I went to Kenya with my doctoral cohort from Asbury Seminary, and a part of that trip was spent with a Maasai tribe south of Nairobi, about 100 miles. Pastor Josiah was our host, and it was on his property that our cohort of 20 camped there in the African savannah, and it was beautiful. Josiah is married to Sarah. They have five children. He is an Anglican priest, is a missionary with an organization called Pioneers, and is shepherd of who knows how many pastors, sheep, and cattle. Pastor Josiah did not grow up in the church. In fact, he's a second career pastor. When he was younger, he went abroad to study and earn a business degree. And while he was there in London, the gospel slammed into his soul and it changed his life forever. Josiah went to seminary, and he returned home to his tribe, which is uncommon for those who make it out of their humble village. But Josiah was the first from his tribe and from his family to put his trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and his heart was heavily burdened for his people. His first convert, was his wife, then his mother, then his father, and so forth and so on. Pastor Josiah is personally and spiritually responsible for well over 120 people coming to know and love 
Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over their lives. Talk about putting your trust and stewarding well over the sacred other. Pastor Josiah has a holistic vision for community development, and the key to that vision is sustainable water. Without water, he and his people, the Messiah, shepherds and ranchers, every one of them, cannot take care of their livestock. There had been multiple attempts at digging water wells, all to no avail, but Pastor Josiah had the presence of mind, Africa rains being what they are, to capture water. And what started out as tents and what? Tarps. Tarps. <laughs> Thank you. He was listening at 8.30. <laughs> what started out as tarps and tents has become this elaborate system of catching, harvesting, purifying, and storing water which has allowed that village to thrive in the fullness of life. Talk about stewardship over the land, over sheep and cattle and goats, over the earth and its resources, over the sacred other. Talk about stewarding over the gospel. God invites us to step into that very thing. There is nothing trivial or insignificant about water, but if we are faithful with the earth's most precious resource, how much more will God entrust us with his most precious and abundant resource, grace, love, the gospel? And I know you've heard it before, but the way we learn is through repetition, that when the time was right, God stepped down out of heaven in the person and work of Jesus who lived and died a brutal death, yours and mine. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And when he did, because he did, it went from being someone on the outside of us to the one who lives inside of those who claim his name by repentance, those who receive this gift of God's grace. That's what we're invited to steward over the gospel, and the rest of the gospel is the best part of the gospel. As we live into that, Pastor Josiah is doing that, using his worldly wealth for eternal gain, and he is stewarding over, being faithful with truth. God entrusts us with small things. He entrusts us with all things. And as we prove ourselves to be trustworthy, he entrusts us with more, Ultimately, the gospel. So let me challenge you this morning. Because your life is not your own. It is not just all about you. And your things are not your own either. Our things do not terminate on us and I think and hope that the challenge is awareness. And in that awareness, Lord, would you shift and change our heart and our mindset to use all that we have and all that we are for your name's sake, the good of others, and to your glory.
Now let me encourage you because that shift of mindset is hard and we want to go there from zero to 60 just like that, which is impossible. So think of just one thing that you can give to God today and say, Lord, this is yours. You've given it to me, but it's really yours. And I want to live it, and I want to give it back to you. And as we steward in that way, let's test God in this and see if he doesn't give us more, opening up the floodgates of heaven, see if he doesn't give us greater understanding, lives that become the gospel even, because that is ultimate. Amen? Amen. And so pray with me for just a second. Let's reflect together for just a moment. Lord, what are those things that we cling to, we hold on to so tightly, we clutch with clenched fist, we give them to you. We pray that you would change our thinking about those things that they would not be an end in and of themselves, but a means of grace for others. God, show us how we can be faithful in small things and in all things. But right now, just one thing and steward really well over it as you give us more and more and more. Help us to be faithful in stewarding over the gospel, God. Grant us an increase in our gratitude. Help us to be more generous Help us to be more faithful. Come Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Roman Street, downtown Tyler. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church, its ministry, and serving opportunities. And if I can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you'll let me know. If you'd like to contribute to the ministry of Marvin Church, you may do so through the information provided.